Welcome to the Talking Tide podcast at podbean.com. I'm Chase Goodbread of NFL.com. I'm joined by Travis Ryer, the senior analyst at BamaOnline.com and also the daily radio host of Southern Fried Sports, which you can catch in Tuscaloosa at 100.9 weekdays from 11 to noon Central Time. The Talking Tide podcast available to you first and foremost at our web host at podbean.com. Also various apps, including iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and TuneIn. We certainly want to thank our outstanding sponsors, including North River Dental Associates, Heat Pizza Bar, and Southern Ale House. And Travis, with that, uh, we reconvene here on the Talking Tide podcast after a lengthy hiatus that that I guess we're just kind of interrupting here. It's not even finished. Uh, We've been, I think our last two pods have dealt with a lot of uncertainty with this pandemic, and here we are back again in mid-July with no real change from that. Uh, But what we are sneaking up on, Travis, is a big, big meeting with all SEC athletic directors coming up uh, on Monday as we record this podcast. That'll be tomorrow, uh, where without question, one of the topics, uh, if not the only topic, will be non-conference football and whether or not the SEC wants or needs to join the Big Ten and the Pac-12 and and backing out of non-conference action. Yeah, that's the big one. You know, we got a little bit of a weekend break, and I think we all needed it after the bombshells that went off from about midweek and over those couple of three days last week into the weekend. So uh, it cranks back up on Monday, and absolutely uh, some some uh, some tough conversations, I'm sure, are already taking place. It's just a matter of trying to get everybody together and, and get onto the same page about – where the league wants to go from here, and boy, Greg Sankey, it, it hasn't been exactly an optimistic tone, tenor, coming from the boss of the Southeastern Conference here in the last week. Uh, not at all. So, you know, we'll see. Um, you know, it's hard for me personally to imagine uh, this thing going anywhere other but conference only, more so because of you know the protocols that, that are going to be varying based on your non-conference opponents, maybe not so much with USC because USC comes from a power five league. Pac-12 took care of that decision for you though last week, but more along the lines of the Georgia States and the Tennessee Martins chase and the uh, Kent States. When you talk about, you know, Sunbelt, Mac, um, FCS, and you know, the difference between the haves and the have nots when it comes to protocols and the ability to test with a greater frequency than you can the, the, the possibility, the potential for cross-contamination goes up with this thing, you would think, more so. I know some people say, well, what's the difference between playing, you know, what, the, the risk between playing, uh, you know, Alabama playing LSU and playing Tennessee Martin? Well, LSU is going to be testing probably a couple times a week, just like Alabama. Tennessee Martin doesn't have the kind of funds or resources to be able to do that. Kent State, same thing, Georgia State. So that's, that's where – you know, the, 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 the move towards conference only action, uh, you know, probably makes the most sense. Season hadn't even started yet. And we're already seeing the impact of, uh, what less revenue in football looks like. And it might be a lot less, but Stanford cutting sports, some other schools, 
uh, cutting some sports, it, it, it could get ugly across college athletics in general. It already has, but it could certainly get a whole lot worse. But I, I guess to give our podcast here a little bit of shelf life, Travis, we'll, we'll touch on two possible scenarios that I think are the, are the likely two to come out of these SEC meetings on Monday. One that they just say, we're out too. We're, we're, we're with the Big Ten. We're with the Pac-12. And we won't be playing non-conference football either. The other possibility, I think, is is that they get together and say, we're not ready to make that decision yet. If I'm not mistaken, the ACC has already said they're going to hold off maybe toward the end of the month before they make up their minds. So the other possibility, Travis, is that, is that the SEC just kind of tables this thing and decides to take a couple more weeks. Yeah, I think, you know, I, I think the SEC and and really every Power Five conference, the four Power Five conferences other than the Big Ten were sort of in that mode to wait until the end of this month, perhaps into the early stages of next month before coming with a hard and fast plan. The Big Ten on the heels of the Ivy League announcement uh, last Wednesday really jumped out there and to kind of hear a lot of folks talk about it, it was somewhat of a, 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 a broadside, blindside type impact on the other four power five leagues. So uh, you did see the Pac-12 sort of follow in line pretty quickly after the Big Ten's lead. But, uh, you know, I, I think the ACC and the and the SEC would like to, you know, take a little more time. But I think the reality, too, is that starting to sink in more and more. And you kind of hear this again in the tone and the comments from Greg Sankey that, you know, you're almost becoming, uh, you know, to, to, to that reality that you really, what are you going to know in a month from now that, that you don't know right now? You know, I mean, is, is it really going to change that much? Maybe it will. I hope it does. I, we all do. Um, but, but I think, you know, trying to be a little more patient, was something Greg Sankey was wanting to do, and that's it's kind of changed here in the last five days. You definitely kind of got the sense that the Power Fives were expecting to kind of move in lockstep, and the Big Ten kind of broke out uh, on its own there, I think much to the chagrin of of some others in the Power Fives. Almost like that scene. Yeah. Is, it's almost like that scene in Stripes, Travis, when Sergeant Hulk is trying to smoke out the uh, the no do gooder in the, in the platoon, and yeah. and uh, Bill Murray and Harold Ramis both like halfway step forward, but Bill Bill just takes that half step and goes back, and then Harold went out there on his own. You know, that's the Harold's that awful. For you. That awful Sergeant Hulka, by the way, yeah. the big toe, the big toe, Sergeant Hulka. Um, you know, it, it also, you, you got the sense that, you know, you listen to these commissioners and you, you, they, they're on these conference calls every day. Apparently they were supposed to have been anyway, the, the five power five leagues. And, uh, you know, you can just envision they're all on that zoom call Wednesday or Thursday last week. And all of a sudden the message comes up on the zoom screen the Big Ten has left the call, you know, and kind of kind of did its own thing there. The other four leagues are still on the Zoom call, but uh, Jimmy D and the Big Ten uh, went rogue. They went rogue. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I would have thought it would have been the Pac-12. My money would have been on the Pac-12 oh, yeah. breaking out of that gate first. You knew they'd oh, Larry follow Scott, quick. Larry yeah. Scott couldn't wait. Oh, he, he was thrilled. 
You know, I mean, you know, he's already, you know, Larry Scott is, 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 uh, excuse me, he's COVID-19 positive himself. Right. You know, so where did you think that thing was going to go? The drumbeat is definitely looking like no non-conference football across the entire FBS uh, and really just having a season of any kind, I think, is looking just about like a win at this point. That, Like you said, Greg Sankey's confidence sounds like it's waning at best. And I think the, the decision, if we assume that all these leagues are going to say, okay, we're just going to go conference only, the next decision, Travis, is do you want to shuffle your schedule around to where you're going to put off the season as long as you can to buy yourself time on the front end, burn all those idle weeks that you're buying by shutting that, shutting down non-conference play. Maybe don't start till the end of September, but then you've got no flexibility in the schedule if you want or need a makeup date of some kind. And so the flip side of that is, I wonder if a couple of these leagues might say, let's go ahead and let's go ahead and start the season uh, in mid-September and, and, and maybe work in a makeup date or two. Yeah, you know, and then you see reports here in the last day or so that Oklahoma's actually maybe going to move up its opener to August the 29th and create a little bit of a bye week, a second bye week the boys may create for themselves at OU before that uh, meeting, that scheduled, still scheduled meeting anyway, with Tennessee and Noman. So uh, that's interesting to consider. Yeah, I mean, there are so many different ways this thing can go, Chase. And until, you know, until we hear something more definitive from the SEC here, I would think in the next week, um, you're going to hear whether or not we're going conference only, whether, you know, they're going to continue to wait this thing out. But, um, you know, the the SC game's already gone. Uh, That's gone for Alabama. So, uh, you know, there, there's still some some banter that you hear about. Well, maybe TCU can step in now, potentially, and you could play the Horn Frogs uh, at Jerry World. And yeah, you know, I think that was a conversation a month and a half ago. Not so much relevant as we head into the season. But you're right. There, there's going to have to be some creativity and some flexibility, regardless. If you're going to try to get somewhere in the neighborhood of ten games, whether that's conference only, whether you try to work in some other ways of doing it. I know there's been some talk in some other states about, well, look, just play some of the in-state schools, right? Um, but again, you're still going to run into protocol issues. That's the main problem in all this. If you can't maintain a, a baseline of, uh, of your opponents being on that same protocol wavelength as you, um, you're probably not going to run the risk uh, of playing those teams. And, and it also begs the question, and I, th- I think the answer is kind of mixed here, are these decisions going to be made more on the outcome of the student athletes testing and how well they control things within these athletic departments versus the raging problem nationwide? Uh, you got to, because you can have a situation where you're in a hot spot, but you're handling it well. And you can have a situation where you're not in a hot spot, but, but for whatever reason, you've got an outbreak on the squad. Those are two things that have got to be weighed on, uh, almost individually, but also in conjunction. Yeah. It's just, there's a reason why it's a novel virus, right? It's because we, we, it's unprecedented. You know, we, it, it, when you watch, uh, 
disease control experts and, and people with those kind of backgrounds, PhDs, doctors, all these things. And they're basically learning like the rest of us on a daily basis about this thing and kind of how it moves and how it goes to where it wants to go. It's just, I, I do think that, you know, it, it sort of goes back to a situation of the haves being uh, in a position where they're better equipped to handle it, but that doesn't guarantee anything right now. You know, um, there are, there are protocols having to be put in place. I'm sure, uh, you know, within your own team from a personnel perspective, if you get hit with an outbreak uh, from your coaching staff, who's next up. If your head coach goes out with this thing, if your offensive coordinator goes out with this thing, you know, just the social distancing mandate that's in play, um, you know, you're, you're seeing, you're going to see and continue to see, uh, you know, team meetings aren't going to be team meetings this year until, you know, not for the foreseeable future. In other words, those auditoriums at places like Alabama where you fit, you know, a hundred players and coaches into that one big team meeting auditorium, not going to have that this year. You're going to have Nick Saban in his office you're going to have, uh, you know, you're probably going to even have to break up some position groups based on numbers. You're not going to have 18 offensive linemen piled into an OL room. You're going to have them broken up into different groups. Teleconferencing is taking place and will continue to take place within the facility with everybody in the facility. So just an entirely different dynamic. I think probably the teams, the players, the coaches have already gotten comfortable with that more than it is for us to try to maybe put our heads around but you know it's just one of the day-to-day aspects of this thing that is entirely different and unprecedented to anything we've ever seen a lot of pro protocols going into place and yet travis 10 i think the number is 10 or roughly 10 programs have already suspended workouts because of a second round i'm not talking about the intake test i'm talking about the second round they saw a spike right. or, t- or too many positive tests and decided uh, we're shutting down workouts that have already begun. Ohio State, North Carolina, Kansas, Kansas State, Boise State, uh, Idaho State, and a handful more. Louisiana Tech, another one. UTEP was, is one that have decided, hey, we need to um, we need to take a take a step back and and see if we're handling this the best way we can. And I'll tell you what. I tell you what else could do some pretty significant damage to the sea. Even if they do get to a place, Travis, where they play conference football at the FBS level, what about opt-outs? I mean, if I saw correctly in the Big Ten announcement that uh, they more or less are going to let players opt out to keep their scholarships, stay in good standing with the school if they even want to come back to school. Uh, there's rumblings from NFL agents that top college uh, players who are maybe looking at the 2021 draft are already saying, you know what, uh, I, I'm just, I'm just going to get ready for the draft. I mean, so uh, that's, yeah. that, that's something that could be happening as well. I assume if the Big Ten uh, – gives players an opt-out option that, that they all would. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I think the UCLA players early on in this thing sort of yeah. made their voices heard in that regard. You know, that if they didn't feel like it was a safe environment and they wanted to opt out and not show up, you know, because Monday, 
July 13th, right now, is when we were supposed to step up to another phase of involvement between players and coaches. Remember, this was the start for teams that were set to open the season on September the 5th, that Labor Day weekend. Well, July the 13th was when you were going to see, a, again, a, a an advancement in terms of not only what uh, you know would become more mandatory workouts. We had been in the voluntary window previously, but now you were going to have actual on the field and your your coaching staff in general working more with players on a daily basis. Hey, we we thought July the thirteenth would be a big day, and it's not because instead. You know, we're trying to figure out how we can take another bite out of the spaghetti sandwiches that keeps going through our fingers, you know, every time we try to get our hands around it. And so, you know, it's uh it 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 it's a it's just amazing to me how and I get it, it's a twenty-four hour news cycle that we live in these days, but still, Chase, those those three or four days last week in terms of college athletic news even going back to say March the 13th, when all this really started to hit the fan and the NCAA tournament was canceled and those things that seemed like it, it just evolved so quickly, how that all sort of unfolded last week is unlike anything I've ever seen. And so uh, it's almost like you're bracing yourself heading into this week <laughs> because you know, you almost don't really know what to expect. What's coming next. What's around the corner now. And so, um, uh, you know, that's that's why all ears and eyes are going to be, you know, to, to this part of the country, because, you know, this is this is the, the big one with the SEC and kind of, you know, determining what the league's going to do and try to do moving forward. I, I think that I think 10 games conference only is 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 probably the best alternative uh, at this point. You figure out a couple more teams from the Eastern Division to to. Schedule against Alabama, you know, whether it's uh, Florida, you got two more Western division teams on the Gator schedule. Um, and you just try to try to go with something like that and, and do the best you can. I, because that, look at the end of the, uh, my, my contention all along has been 2020. If there is a college football season, it, it's going to be an anomaly. You know, we're all going to look back on t- 2020 and say, uh, it, it wasn't even really about, competing for championships at this point it's about saving as much of the content as you can for the television networks the worst case scenario is you don't see a dime from the television networks that's what it's the only reason why we're still really having this discussion if it wasn't for the tv money at this point they i'm convinced they already would have decided there's no college football this fall but there is just too much money still on the line. Even if we talk about a scenario where there are no fans in the stands, there is still hundreds of millions of dollars at stake just from the television perspective. It's unbelievable. Ivy Leagues have said they're already done. I think you may have already mentioned that. Juco said they're punting to the spring, Travis, which is mm-hmm. uh, interesting. Shouldn't affect too much from a signing standpoint because that signing period goes all the way to Aug 1. Uh, so... Uh, junior co- college guys, I assume, could still get evaluated on a spring season and and uh, go go wherever they want to go as long as the scholarship. Where it could get interesting with that is you could see guys save a year of eligibility 
coming from junior college if there's not football in the in the uh in the fall which apparently there's not going to be at the junior college level right right um so if a guy's a three for two uh he becomes a, a three for three uh, i would think yeah you know as a as a red shirt sophomore coming in so that 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 would be interesting but yeah i mean um a lot of times anyway unless it's a mid-year guy and if it is a mid-year guy then it could work out to your benefit as a d1 to to bring a guy in who saves a year of eligibility if he's got that available to him but you know in a lot of instances um you know juco guys aren't gonna show up until the summer but you know if the season starts after that fall after that february signing date then um you know you, you, some of those guys you feel for because they're not going to have that chance to make that late move in the fall of their sophomore seasons you know because you're already going to be beyond the the february signing date i think for juco's in a lot of ways it's viable and something that can be pulled off in the spring i don't see the fbs or the fcs for that matter going through a spring season that's been talked about Travis as a possibility I know some athletic directors are saying that's a contingency that has to be looked at to me that's a debacle to me there is there are so many problems that would be inherent with trying to move college football season to the spring I just don't see it happening if they do try to pull it off I think it's going to be uh, a disaster, frankly, just a just a lot of problems associated with it. number one of which is who's going to play Nobody who's eligible or, or looking for the draft is going to play in that season, obviously. Yeah, that that's where it gets interesting, and I agree. I think if you try to play in the spring, then obviously opt-outs become, to me, they become far more of an issue than in the fall. You know, I think if they're able to salvage uh, conference-only games or you know, schedule or 10 games, or something, the guys are still going to play in the fall. Uh, but if you go to the spring, that's when it gets real. Now, where I'm not as sold as some folks that it's going to be sort of this mass exodus is not everybody can go in the first round, right? I mean, there's still only 32 first-round picks. And I do still think that you'll see some second, maybe even third-round guys. And you certainly have experience in this. So you'll, I know you'll have some interesting thoughts on it as well. But... I think there I think there could also be some guys that opt out that probably shouldn't have um, because of, you know, uh, uh, the, the, their, their status isn't exactly what they think it is. They, they should play if they can. But, you know, I, I think the optics are bad, too, from the, the college level uh, in terms of administrators. You know, they're trying to maintain this thin veil of amateurism still, Chase, as you know. And if you load up basically two college football seasons on student athletes in a span of about eight or nine months through the end of next year, because you're going to turn right around and play again in the fall, that's not a good look for student, for uh, college presidents, you know, and administrators. So uh, I think they'll, they'd have an optics issue if they, they try to do that. But, but what do you think in terms of, uh, the yeah, opt-out potential. I think in the spring, the rubber meets the road on the opt-outs with whether or not you've already got tape yeah. or, or, or not. Because look, look at – there's 
look at a guy like Quinn Quinn Williams, for instance, right? He didn't have yeah. any he didn't have any tape at all to exactly. speak of before he had one big year and ends up being a top mm-hmm. five pick. Okay, so it uh if if this had happened in when Quentin Williams was a year from coming out, he'd have to play because he mm-hmm. wouldn't because he wouldn't have uh, uh the tape to get drafted. Uh, certainly yeah, I mean, if you high. look at the class of 2021s right now, who are just absolute slam dunks? I, I know Justin Fields. I know Trevor Lawrence. Um, if you're Najee Harris, Jamar you Chase, opt out? Yeah. It, yeah. I think if you're Najee Harris, you probably opt out if it's a spring league. He's got the ta- exa- He's a great example of a guy who does have the tape and doesn't yeah. need that spring seed. If, you, if I'm not, look, if I'm Najee Harris and I just ran for 1300 yards or whatever it was for Alabama and the drafts coming up in the, in the spring, does Devonte Smith opt out? Oh, I think he would. Why wouldn't you? You know, I, it's a similar conversation though, that we had with the citrus bowl chase. And at the end of the day, only a couple of guys opted out. Terrell Lewis and Trayvon Diggs, right? Yeah. That, that was it. Yeah. Different. I mean, we had this, we had a similar conversation. It was similar. And I know I felt like uh, initially that it would have been, if you would have told me, if you set the over under for guys, and we probably even did that on this podcast, if you had sat the over under at two and a half for guys who were going to sit out, opt out of the Citrus Bowl, I would have pounded the over so hard okay Mm -hmm. that uh you know i I couldn't take the the ua trolley around tuscaloosa okay that's that's where i'd be at financially right now and it ended up being just a couple yeah if i'm if i'm Najee harris which is a good example you just came up with i ask myself am i better off am i going to get drafted higher if i play a spring football season, or am I better off just going through the normal you know, draft process know, with the senior bowl and the combine and the pro day? I'm doing the latter, not the former. Uh, I'll tell you what I'd do if I'm Nick Saban. I got 12 permanent team captains for the 2021 spring season. You can't leave. You're one of our captains. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I got about 37 team captains. Look, we're going to make you a team captain. <laughs> I guess you don't want your hands and feet in that cement over at Denny Chimes, huh? They're, they're going to run out of wet cement them. over there. I said <laughs> smells them like he tried to do Danny with the scholarship, you know, during the uh, during the high stakes round, you know. The, the, I guess the, I don't. I guess you don't. The, those hand and cleat prints are going to end up wrapping around Reese Pfeiffer Hall, you know. They'll have to, have to go around the block with those. Uh, human chain prints. of hands across the quad is what I'd have. I'd have so many damn captains. <laughs> the, the Talking Tide podcast at podbean.com, iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and Tune. Of course, also available at our web host at podbean.com. We're going to take a quick time out. Thank a couple of sponsors here for you, starting with North River Dental Associates and Dr. Jack Smalley, the former Alabama football player, and his staff do such a great job over there. Uh, the phone number 752 3506. Uh, It's at 1100 Fairfax Park, so if you're traveling toward Northport on McFarland Boulevard, you make that easy ride onto Academy Drive, and Fairfax Park is going to be a quick right for you. It's right beside West Alabama Pediatrics, and they just do a tremendous job in there. Whatever your dental needs might be, porcelain veneers, cosmetic dentistry, pediatric dentistry, laser dentistry, 
teeth whitening services, endodontics. They do it all over there at North River Dental Associates. I just had uh, my twice yearly appointment about eh, about three, four weeks ago. And uh, they're taking some precautions, of course, as you would expect over there in a business like that. But they're doing a great job. They're keeping the environment extremely clean. It's extremely safe. Get your teeth cleaned over at North River Dental Associates. Make an appointment at NorthRiverDentist.com. You know, I was just there, by the way, about a week ago because the bonding on one of my front teeth uh, just fell out. And my fault, by the way, I know I have bonding on a front tooth and still, you know, I work a rib like an like it's an old typewriter or something, you know. And so I did it to myself. But, you know, Dr. Jack and his incredible staff, they hook me up. They take care of me in a very efficient manner and always a good time catching up with Dr. Jack Smalley over there at North River Dental. Hey, I'm going to tell you about Heat Pizza Bar in downtown Tuscaloosa, right there at Government Plaza. Frank and the crew working through this pandemic, keeping you safe, keeping you up to speed with the very best pizza in all of Tuscaloosa and beyond, for that matter. Nightly specials you're going to find. Now, part of the week, you're going to still be to go and delivery at Heat Pizza Bar, but you can give them a call at 205 205- 632-3282. Get that to go. Takeaway order in there. And then on the weekends, still doing dine-in on the weekends down there at Heat Pizza Bar. Government Plaza right there in downtown Tuscaloosa. Also going to tell you about Southern Ale House out in the Indian Hill section of Tuscaloosa. Outstanding stuff. Great, great folks there at Southern Ale House. That Yardbird Chicken Sandwich continues to amaze if you're feeling the need to go a little bit lighter let me suggest that chopped wedge salad get some grilled chicken on there they've got the homemade bacon bits the smoked bacon bits to go along with those biscuit croutons now they'll put the blue cheese crumbles and the blue cheese just dressing on there for you but if you like any of the other house-made dressings at southern ale house they can can throw those in there for you as well southern ale house 1530 mcfarland boulevard north Talking Tide podcast at podbean.com, iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and tune in. Also, check us out on the Twitter feed. It's talking underscore Tide. You can keep up with uh, our drops on the Talking Tide podcast on a regular basis there on Twitter. Travis, before we get out of here, just a couple of quick minutes on Alabama basketball. We've been talking about uh, the way the football program is going to try to get cranked up. Well, the basketball team starts practicing in the fall. Uh, so they're going to be on hold, and, and who knows what's going to happen there as well. But in the news of late anyway, Javian Davis, the young big man for the Crimson Tide, in the transfer portal, a guy that I thought showed some pretty good promise, Travis, uh, in his first year in the program. But it looks like he's going to be moving on to make some make some room on that roster. Yeah, Davis, give him credit. Coming off that redshirt year and transitioning to a new coach and Nate Oates, really did a, a lot of good stuff physically, changed his body, made himself more viable as a legitimate post presence at the power five level, at the high major level. End of the day, the numbers, you got 14 guys, you add a 6'11 freshman here late and Alex Chaku. And so you're at 14 with John Petty and you still don't know what John Petty's going to do for sure. 
And so it made sense that if there was going to be further attrition, it would likely still come from the front court. You already saw Galen Smith make the move previously, and now JV and Davis, and also stylistically. You know, Nate Oates, as we saw in his first season on the job, going to play a 94-foot game, going to have to be able to face up and knock down some shots, one through five. He likes guys that, regardless of position, you know, are at least a threat from the perimeter and can stretch the floor and create some opportunities in doing so. But, yeah, it'll be interesting to see where JV and Davis goes from here. But it does get Alabama at a manageable scholarship number with 13 for 13 now. And, again, that's still pending the decision to John Petty and, you know, what he might do in terms of professional basketball or maybe he comes back for his senior season. Dante Hall, by the way, our guy, former Alabama big man with the Brooklyn Nets, Travis, for this NBA restart in the down in the Orlando bubble. So uh, a chance for him to, to make some noise down there in this abbreviated NBA season. Yeah, and with Jamal Crawford, man, I love me some Jamal Crawford, the old school scorer. You know, he joined that Nets team too. And so with Dante Hall and Jamal Crawford on that Brooklyn roster, I'm a uh, – I'm on that Nets bandwagon. It probably won't take me very far, but I'm going to ride it for all it's worth. I like those guys. It's going to do it for this edition of the Talking Tide podcast. Uh, we will be back again, obviously, as news warrants through this pandemic. I'm sure uh, over the next week or two, uh, something's going to break. Something has to break. We're up against it. We're, we're at the point now where teams are supposed to be practicing in another month or so, uh, less than that even. So, uh, a lot's going to be happening pretty soon, Travis. The deadlines have uh, approached, and uh, we'll be back to uh, recap whatever comes of this thing. But it is a unprecedented time in history, no question about it, and, and just a head-scratcher every day. In the words of Patterson Hood, something's got to give, got to give pretty soon. Yes, it right? does. No yeah. doubt about it. All right, that'll do it for us. For Travis Ryer of BamaOnline.com and Southern Fried Sports Radio, I'm Chase Goodbread of NFL.com and Crimson Cover Television. We'll talk to you next time right here on Talking Tide.